to everyone today. If you're a guest with us this morning, we welcome you as a part of this service today. We're so glad to have you with us. Pray that you would feel at home with us here today. And to those of you that may be watching us online, we pray you're blessed by this service. Those of you that are a part of us that aren't able to be here today, we miss you. Pray that the presence of the Lord touches you where you are. Uh, it seems like the last several years now, at least, that Thursday nights and my ministry on Thursday nights uh, a lot of times tends to be several weeks at a time in a particular vein or theme. Uh, I don't pick those in advance. I, I've heard of pastors that they, they schedule out the coming year's series and messages and that'd be kind of cool I think because sometimes on Sunday morning when you're like God it really would be nice if you'd give me direction it had been nice to have had that months in advance (laughs) but that's not the way my ministry has been and I don't expect it to change but I don't I don't normally Sunday mornings doesn't tend to be it's doesn't usually it's each service is just kind of an individual word and message but um there's something that I just haven't been able to shake since last Sunday morning and I I feel like it may be a, uh I'm not announcing a series here today but I feel like this might be um uh, beyond this morning and um so we'll see and unfortunately it's not one of those kinds of fun not that it's negative in fact quite the opposite but it just I, I like to get with it preach and some people don't like that some people think that's whatever but I I don't know so and it it may not be that but I I think it's it's such a very critical and I've been I preached my first message, I think I was 18, 16 or 18, been preaching pretty regularly to some degree or other since 19. And I don't know that I've ever really preached or taught on this subject, and I pray that by the time we get done, uh, not only here this morning, but if the Lord leads beyond that, that, that you will get a revelation of the significance and the importance of it. So I want to I want to start with Ecclesiastes 12 verse 10 and uh I got some I got some new readers. Some of y'all won't get this, some of you will. I probably shouldn't say it, but these are my Frank Reagan readers. If you don't know what that means, you're blessed. It's okay. <laughs> what what's the age old, you know, boy, the age old question, what is the meaning of life? What's the purpose of life? It's kind of sad because I'm about to read to you. According to the wise man Solomon, he gives us a very plain answer. In Ecclesiastes 12 and verse number 10, he says this. The preacher, and he's speaking of himself here because Ecclesiastes is the words of the preacher. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words. And that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads, (laughs) prods like a a farmer would use or a cattle driver. 
and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies. There's, they're also sure and strong, which are given from one shepherd. Better be careful when you're trying to go around and get all kinds of shepherds to feed you. You're probably not going to get a consistent diet. Selah, pause and think about that one. And further, by these, my son, be admonished of making many books, there is no end. We can say amen to that today. And much study, well, I believe this, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Any school students, college students believe that? Much study is a weariness of the flesh. (laughs) But here it is. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Want to know what this is all about? Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. This is it. Fear God, keep His commandments. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so, for today, and again, if what I feel is accurate beyond just today, I want to talk to you about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Father, I thank you for your wonderful presence that is here this morning, that is in response to our worship, you have moved in this place in ministry and touching hearts and lives and doing things that we're not even able to see or comprehend in this moment but no less significant things that makes them no less significant just because we can't see them so I thank you for that but God I pray now that you would continue Lord the psalmist said that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our paths. And truthfully, your word is its not intended to be a lamp or a light that we decide is the one we want. Your word is ultimately the lamp and the light, the only lamp and the only light that can guide our paths. So I pray that your word today would find good ground, Lord. You said that The Word is the seed in our hearts or the ground that that seed is sown on, sown into. I pray for everyone here. I pray for my own self today, God, that my I want my heart to be good ground to the seed of Your Word. That it can do something of lasting effect, lasting change, eternal value. Father, I trust You again today. I pray that by Your grace You would help me to say whatever it is you want me to say, and not only say it, but in the way, the spirit, the attitude in which you would desire it said. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to read these verses in a couple of other translations and just to give you a little different flavor. And again, a lot of other translations in the King James use a little more English that we're used to than some of the King James English. And so the today's English version says it this way. Verse number 10, The philosopher tried to find comforting words, but 
The words he wrote were honest. The sayings of wise men are like the sharp sticks that shepherds use to guide sheep. And collected proverbs are as lasting as firmly driven nails. They've been given by God, the one shepherd of us all. Son, there is something else to watch out for. There is no end to the writing of books and too much study will wear you out. Paul told Timothy one of the signs of the last days is that we would be ever learning. But in all of our learning, we still would not come to the knowledge of the truth. There are more books now about God and relationship with God, whatever Christianity, than there's ever been before. But you need to understand that knowledge Having knowledge is not synonymous with having truth. And at the end of the day, truth is not measured by what you think, what others think, what others say. Truth is measured by this book and this book alone. If you filter this book through other stuff to get to truth, you're not going to get to truth. You've got to filter everything else through this book if you want truth. So he says that there is no end to the writing of books and too much study will wear you out. After all this, there is only one thing to say. Have reverence for God and obey His commands. Because this is all that man was created for. God is going to judge everything we do, whether good or bad, even things done in secret. And then also the Amplified Bible says it this way. You can follow along with this one on the screen. They don't have the other one. I pulled that one out of the hat today. The preacher sought acceptable words, even to write down rightly words of truth or correct sentiment. The words of the wise are like prodding goads. You you better be careful if when you seek counsel for decisions that you have to make, if the only thing you're ever told are things that you want to hear. If somebody is not telling you stuff that's kind of poking and prodding and it goes against your natural fleshly desires, you may not be getting wisdom. I, I got to speed up, otherwise we'll be on this for months. <laughs> the words of the wise are like prodding goads, and firmly fixed in the mind nails are the collected sayings which are given as proceeding from one shepherd. They are they are reliable. They can be they can be hung on to no matter what's going on around you. They 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 are they are sure words. All, verse 12, but going further than the words given by one shepherd, my son, be warned. Be be careful when you start listening and seeking knowledge and wisdom outside of the words of the shepherd. Of making many books there is no end. and do So do not believe everything you read. 
I got to be honest with you. I'm to the point that outside of this, I don't believe most of what I read. Or at the very least, I am very skeptical of what I read. I don't care what news outlet you use. It's human beings that are giving you the news. And and they are swayed to give you what they want to give you. Liberal, conservative, it doesn't matter. Don't believe everything you read, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Verse 13, all has been heard. Isn't isn't it amazing that even after thousands of years, we we still, you still quote, people still quote the philosophers of Greece and other places. All that has been heard, the end of the matter is this, fear God. Revere and worship Him, knowing that He is. you got to know He is. He that cometh to God must believe, first and foremost, that He is. Then, that He is a rewarder, He will respond to those who diligently seek Him. I believe it's in the book of Jeremiah. He says, you'll find me. Anybody can find me. I don't feel like I'm finding God. Well, maybe you're not meeting the qualification to find God because he said those who find me are those who seek me with all of their heart. said this many times before, but my wife will ask me or she through the years ask one of our kids, go to go go look in the fridge and see if we are go get this out of the fridge and 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 99.9% of the time when she says do it, it's in there. In my younger, ignorant years, I'd come back and say, it's not in there. And since she's my wife and respectful and whatever, she wouldn't command me to go look back, but she would suggest that I go look again. And oftentimes, after you reported you couldn't find it, the statement out of her mouth was then this. Look for it. Like your life depended on it. Now, I don't know exactly what all she meant by that. I'm not totally sure. I, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to apply that. I don't know if she was saying... Like other situations, how you'd do something if your life depended on it. Or if she was saying, in this situation, your life depends on it. I don't know. Usually without fail. So now what I've learned to do is I go look. And I don't see it. So I come back and I don't say it's not there. I say, I, I look, but, but I don't see it. Well, well it's, and I'll go look, sometimes I go look again, and I come back and I say, I, I looked again, but I don't, well, it's there. And it's like this sixth sense, because she just walks up and reaches right where it is and pulls it right out.
You, you, you got to know that He is, and when you look for Him like your life depends on it, and the bottom line with regards to this, your life depends on it. Your life depends on looking for Him with all of your heart. Not, well, if I, if I find Him, find. If I don't, oh well. No, your life depends on it. Knowing He is, and keep His commandments. Fear God, keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. The full original purpose of His creation. The object of God's providence. The root of character. The foundation of all happiness. True happiness. The adjustment. Boy, this right here. Any, I've said this many times, every answer to whatever's going on in the world is right here. And, and the Amplified Bible says it really plainly, that this is the, uh, the adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun are found in fearing God and keeping His commandments. There would be no crime in the world if we just fear God and keep His commandments. There would never be another mass shooting if we would just fear God and keep His commandments. There would never be another theft if we would just fear God and keep... It's all right here in this book. But the problem is we've been sold a bill of goods that the purpose of life is not to fear God and keep His commandments. And who in the world does God think He is that He can say that the whole reason for us being here is to fear Him and keep His commandments. Just, he's kind of just the creator of all of it. <laughs> I don't. I don't know offhand. I'm, I, they, they've got. They've had. They had their issues. Still have their issues because they're human beings. But growing up through the years, my kids, especially in the teen years, I, I'm not sure I can think offhand of a scenario like this. But I know it's not an uncommon thing where your your kids. <laughs> You've got some kind of expectation that they don't like. Actually, I can think of one. Everybody that knows me knows I have a pet peeve about shoes in my house. And I don't care if you think shoes being worn in the house are a big deal or not. It's my house. I pay the mortgage. You don't. Walk all over your house in your shoes when you get it, but not all over mine. You ever seen some of the stuff you step in in your shoes out in public? I don't want that stuff in my house. Most of the time it's forgetfulness and whatever. I don't think they've ever done it out of rebellion. I choose to believe they've never done it out of rebellion. What right do I have to tell you I don't want shoes in my house? I, the right is it's my house. I mean, it's the bank in mine, but you know... <laughs> It's our house. <laughs> those people I send a check to every month, those people I send a check to, not you. This, I don't mean this building, I mean creation, is God's house. The scripture says, does the clay say to the potter, why have you made me this way? Absolutely not. Where does God get off? Where does Solomon get off saying that the whole duty of man is fear God and keep it? Who does he think? 
he thinks he's God. He doesn't just think he's God. He knows he's God. <laughs> Fear God. Keep his commandments. We, we, we understand this, 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 this just kind of started rolling around in my mind the other day. We understand the benefit and the value of rules. Do we not? What would life be without rules? Bottom line, we've got rules and look at what life is. There are so many different areas in life where we are completely accepting of the fact that rules are for the benefit of those involved in whatever the situation is. Really, games would be no fun. I'm talking like board games and whatever. Would be no fun without the rules. Oh, they'd be fun to the rule maker. Brother Kevin Breckenridge is a nephew now by marriage. Born and raised in this church. Wasn't always a nephew, but now he's... And anytime there's family gathering and we play games, Kevin is the resident... Rule expert. Rule enforcer. And he gets a lot of flack for that, but really it helps. Because if you don't know what the common rules are that we're playing by, somebody's going to have some unfair advantages and 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 it's in and I I I enjoy playing sports every sport I've referenced it but started playing pickleball last year man that pickleball's got some odd rules compared to racquetball and even tennis the the, the purpose of a rules in a game is not to take away the fun again it's really it's the opposite because if you don't if you don't have a set standard that you're you're abiding by then 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 there's chaos and confusion and the highways are crazy enough with rules but can you imagine what the roads would be like if there were no rules at all And, and, and in every aspect, every you go to school, there's rules. You, you have rules. They may be called other things, but on the job you have rules. And, and you have homeowners associations that have rules. And isn't it amazing that in life, with natural temporal things, we all understand, we may not always like the rules, but, but there is an understanding of the value of the rules. According to, I know this is not going to be anything really enlightening, but just according to the Britannica Dictionary, a rule is a statement that tells you what is or is not allowed in a particular game, situation, etc. It is a statement that tells you what is allowed or what will happen within a particular system. I did a little bit of calculations this morning. Got my license, driver's license in 1987. Uh, that's 30-something years ago. And so I did a little calculations. If, if I averaged, and I have a feeling if I was, there was a way to really count it, it'd be more than this. But if I just averaged that one time a day, 
and I say there are, there are a number of days, there have been many days where it's been more than one time, so I think I could safely say that at least one time a day in those 30 plus years that I've had my driver's license, I have driven down the hill of this church to get onto Ritchie Highway. So if I averaged doing that one time a day for all of those years, I would have done that 13,140 times. Do you know something? In 13,140 times, Brother Johnson, I've always gone the same direction. Because of the rules. I thought about this, because really it would be a lot quicker for me, 13,140 times, and I am pretty confident it would be more than that if there was a way to count. It would be a lot easier if when I got down to the bottom of that hill to just take a left and go a couple hundred feet to the, to the crossover in the median and then get over and head to 50. It would be a lot quicker. In fact, I did these calculations. If it took me on average two and a half minutes every time I leave here to go up to the light at Severna... Or at Arnold, either either up Ritchie Highway in the U-turn or up past Safeway and do the turn, if that averaged two and a half minutes every time I did that average, and it does average somewhere around there because it takes me about seven minutes to get from my house to here, but it takes me about ten minutes usually to get home, and the ten minute or the three-minute difference is the light. If I could have just turned left, gone down to the median, and crossed over, I could have saved myself 547 hours of my life. At two and a half minutes a time to go up to the light and make a U-turn on average, I have spent 547 hours. That's just when I was driving. That's not when I was a kid riding. I have, I have spent 547 hours of my life between here and the Arnold Light. What in the world? You know how much I could have knocked that down if I'd have gone down the hill, turned left, and then gotten over. And what most of you are saying is, no, you probably wouldn't knocked it down. You would have been knocked out. It's dangerous enough. It's dangerous enough. If you don't know this, pause. Here we go. Pause for a uh, public service announcement. If you did not know this, and some of you really need to know this. Some of you need to lose your privileges of going out the front. I'm really not joking. I say that out of fear for your life because I've been right behind some of you. And it is a miracle, and I don't say that lightly, a miracle that somebody didn't get hurt. Out the back there, I know there's rocks and it might get your car a little bit dirty, but out the back, there's a back entrance that puts you onto Old Frederick Road and, and, and there's not a lot of traffic there and you can go down near the post office and, and there's sometimes you gotta be careful cars getting off Richie Highway to go on that, on the church road or I think B&A, whatever that is right there, but it's a lot safer. If you're going to go out the front, there's a couple of things. you. you I, I know you may not. I don't use blinkers all the time, but blinkers are good. 
I usually go down, if you've ever seen me, I, I, oftentimes I don't stop at the bottom of the, when I get down there. I, I do it slowly because I don't want to freak everybody coming up out, but I continue moving immediately onto, we paid twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 years ago for that acceleration lane. Some of you should use it. Some of you don't need to use it. You need to go out the back. I left. I think it was Thursday night I left. Somebody got down there. They paused at the bottom, but then they started. They got over into traffic. This, Thankfully, it was Thursday night. There was not a lot. of. They got over, and just a few moments later, they got off to turn right, but no blinker. I don't know how many of you know this. I'm going to be, this is going to take me more than, I haven't even started on the fear of the Lord yet. How many of you are, you've been around here long enough that you know that right near, right at the post office, there, what do you call that? What do you call that in the middle of the median where you to cross over? Or what's it called? I don't know. Turn lane, whatever. How many of you know that right, literally right at the post office, there used to be one of those right there? How many of you know that? Let's say, how many of you didn't know? How many of you did not know that? Look at all the young folks. Do you know that that got closed off, if I remember correctly, and I was young, I don't even know if I was driving yet, I may have been, but that didn't get, that, that got closed off not too long after this building was built. That was God. I, gar- I can't imagine how many accidents we would have had through the years, people trying to leave church and jump right across and get into that U-turn. Every now and then I drive by there and I remember what used to be there. And I'm being serious right now. I, Lord, thank you. So I don't know whose idea it was. I don't, they probably didn't do it because of us, but thank you that they did that. So, try to finish my analogy here. We all know at the end of the day, me going down that hill turning left to get down there and to cross over would not. Somebody's getting hurt. I may somehow be lucky enough to not be the one, but somebody is because somebody's going to be coming the other way and wonders what in the world is this idiot doing because he's not following the rules and therefore they're going to make some decisions to try to... And somebody's going to get hurt. So how is it? Please, please help me understand how is it that in all these different areas of life we value, respect, understand the need, but when it comes to life, we want to live without rules. It's my life. And I'll live it the way I want to. And you know what I think the sad thing is? God created us so that you can live it the way you want to live it if you want to. But the problem is, while you have the right to live it the way you want to live it, you don't control the consequences of that. So I... I, I may I may not now that I'm about to say it, I, but in a moment I was going to make the point that, that you know maybe some of you this will help you because you don't quite like that word fear. So that that word, if you look it up, that word in the in the Hebrew means it means respect, it means awe, it means reverence. I touched on it last Sunday morning. The fear of the Lord. While yeah, there could be one aspect of it that's fear in the sense we think of fear. More so, I think it's what it's trying to get across, and the English word re- uses fear. 
fear in the King James. Some of the other translations use some of these other words. It's not talking about terror. I'm scared to death of God. It is a respect, a reverence, and awe. It's basically like the same thing in a healthy parent-child relationship. We're, we're in a healthy relationship, not when there's abuse and all that, but in a healthy relationship where parents lovingly discipline their children, there should be an awe, a respect, a reverence, and to some degree a fear of. I don't, I don't, I don't like the idea that I'm supposed to fear, reverence, respect, and... Who does God think he is? Well, again, first of all, he's God. But also, the only people that can have issues and not like that are those that don't understand the nature, the characteristics of God. (laughs) Because if I understand the one that I'm being told that I need to have the fear of, okay, (laughs) sure. Because his word says, his word, I mean, I guess it does say that he loves. But more importantly than saying God loves, his word says God is. Everybody in this room today loves. There's somebody you love. But pardon my southern roots, you ain't love. Because there's other stuff that comes out of you than love. When the buttons get pushed. God loves, but more importantly, God is. Of course, then we get to the age-old question, well, if God is love, how come bad things happen to good people? As I've said many times, the simple answer to that question is bad things never happen to good people. Because according to the Word of God, there are no good people. Read your Bible. There's none good but one. When I, when I trust who He is, His nature, His character, and the more I get to know Him, the more I'm able to trust when bad things happen. I trust Him. Now again, like David, that doesn't mean my mind doesn't swirl around in ups and downs. I, 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 I just... I've referenced it twice now, but I was, I've been so, I've read through Psalms many times before, but I have been so blessed and encouraged reading through Psalms, reading David's roller coaster. I don't know about you, but a lot of times men and women of God in the Bible, I feel like they were just always on top of the world, man. So to resent the fact that we're told that our whole duty is to fear God and keep His commandments is is to demonstrate that we just don't have a real understanding of who God is and the purpose of God's Word. The first time that I find, if you find something different than this, help me out, but the first time that I find mention of the fear of the Lord in the Scripture is found in Genesis chapter 20. And this is what is interesting. The first time that there is a reference that I see to the fear of the Lord, it is with regards to the negative consequences of someone not having a fear of the Lord. Abraham, in his journeys with his wife, 
In chapter 20, verse 11 of Genesis, it says, Abraham said, he lied about Sarah. The context of this is he lied to the king about Sarah. Said that she was his sister rather than his wife. And Abraham said, here's his explanation. Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place and they will slay me for my wife's sake. Because Abraham believed that where he was, there was not a fear of God. He feared for his life. The second reference that I find in Scripture with the fear of the Lord has to do with Abraham as well, but this time it's more of a positive light. And that's chapter 22 of Genesis in verse number 12. And he said, Lay not, the Lord says to Abraham, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. It's not until a little later on in Scripture that you start to see the phrase, the fear of the Lord, in the context of how we will see it some more here this morning. But from the, from the very beginning, in essence, which would stand to reason based on many things that Scripture says about the fear of the Lord. That even before it is necessarily specifically talked about, explained, that, that it's already having an impact in lives. In essence, we could say the same thing that happened to Abraham when he was fearing for his life. The reason we live in different circumstances and situations in fear is because we think those around us don't have a fear of the Lord. If I know you and I believe that you have a fear of the Lord, a healthy, genuine fear of the Lord, I'm not threatened by you. I'm not going to feel my I'm not going to feel that you're threatening my family, my 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 possessions, my life. If you if you have a fear of the Lord, I can I can be at peace knowing I'm in good company. This is not for anybody, Brother Johnson or anybody else, to go change something. I'm just going to make a little lighthearted point here. We're trying not to be Laodicea at Antioch. We are not lukewarm. At 10 a.m., I wanted my coat, and now I feel like I need to go down to a T-shirt and comfortable pants. <laughs> Just a little light moment to pause there for a second. Give some of you a breather. So, I, I, I want to, well, before we get there, listen to what Paul says with regards to, to the, the law, the Word of God. So, well, what about all those people that don't have a Bible? They never had a Bible. They never, what, well, let, let's see, what does the Bible say about that? Paul says this in Romans chapter 2, verse number 12. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. 
And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. How fair is it that those who have sinned not knowing the law are going to be punished for doing something they did not? That, That doesn't sound like a just God to me. You go around disciplining your kids for something they did that they didn't know they were they didn't know they weren't supposed to do it. That that's not good parenting. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. And so here it is, verse 14. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law. Have you ever met somebody who was not a, didn't profess to be a Christian, but they were just a kind, considerate, nice person to be around? You ever met somebody like that? I have. Not a trick question. Why? Because even those that don't have or know the law of God... By nature they do the things that are in the law. These, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. Listen to the Amplified, the way it says it, a little more easy, a little easier way to understand. Verse 12, He will punish, or excuse me, the living Bible, he will punish sin wherever it is found. He will punish the heathen when they sin, even though they never knew, they never had God's written laws, for down in their hearts they know right from wrong. God's laws are written within them. Their own conscience accuses them or sometimes excuses them. When you when you constantly ignore your conscience, you will reach the point where the conscience you had that kept you in check now gives you excuse to do what you want to do. Is this too heavy for your Sunday morning? <laughs> you're all listening, right? That's why you're all, okay. <laughs> God's laws are written within them. In, in, in the King James, he's talking about, he's talking about the Gentiles, but you gotta understand that he's, he's speaking more so in, in a, in a context of saved versus unsaved. He's using natural terms, but, but ultimately it's about a spiritual principle. It's not about one race versus another race. It's, it's those that believe and know God versus those that don't know God. God's laws are written within them. Their conscience accuses them or sometimes excuses them. And God will punish the Jews for sinning because they have His written laws but don't obey them. They know what is right but don't do it. After all, salvation is not given to those who know what to do unless they do it. So there is something within us it's, 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 we are, we'll use 2023 terminology. We are programmed by God. That's why not one single person in all of time has ever been born as an atheist. No one has ever been born an atheist. You become an atheist. I'm sorry, but you're born a believer. 
You may not know or understand all about what you believe in, but you are born a believer. That's why I've watched hundreds, if not thousands of times in my lifetime. I've watched in services here and in other places as three and four year old children with no intellectual understanding of God and the Word of God have connected with the presence of God and they don't understand what's going on they can't articulate to you what's happened but you can stand and watch those precious little children with hands raised and tears streaming down their face because there's something inside of them that believes there is a God Become an atheist, I'm sure there's a variety of reasons, but to me some of the very top reasons why a person becomes an atheist is because something happens in their life that God did or did not do and they cannot reconcile a loving God who would allow this or who wouldn't do this. So because they don't understand, show me somebody that twists or writes off something in the Word of God, and I'll show you somebody who just has no understanding of the proper context of it. Read in the New Testament, especially some of the places where Paul talks about the relationship between husbands and wives and the role of husbands and wives. If you don't understand context, then, then you, can, you can write that off. Well, you know, that God, is, he's, he's a chauvinist, a male chauvinist. No, you don't understand Scripture. You don't understand the, the context of it. You have a, if you resent, well, I don't want my whole, my whole purpose to be fear God and keep His commandments. The only way you resent that is you don't understand it. Because anything God does, anything God requires of me, is all for my good. Works together for my good. God's not sitting up on some throne in heaven getting kicks out of you going through pain and suffering or you having to do what He said and... and, and I, I, I think I think there's sometimes sometimes somebody say sometimes. I think sometimes as a parent, the explanation for why you're telling your kid to do something is good enough to say because I said so. Truth of the matter is all the time that's really enough, but the problem is we don't always have the right motive. Oh my goodness, I might be preaching on Sunday mornings about this until Jesus comes. If I don't. I, I, I'm feeling a little bishop on me right now. Some of y'all got to quiet your spirits because you're causing too many rabbit trails. Problem is, too often that statement gets used because you, 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 got, you got other stuff going on. So it's just easy to say, because I said so. Sometimes I do think it's okay that that's, I said so, that's all that matters. In fact, sometimes that's good enough because you just need to see kind of where your kids are in their obedience and submission and then their spirits. Sometimes. How did I get on off all that? 
everything. Why? I'm not. Uh, I'm fearing and respecting and reverencing. I'm motivated to do that more and more the more I know Him. The more I understand Him. So the, the unbelievers that don't even have it. Uh, the, 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 I realize that in, in our world that's the, it's the exception more than the rule for an unsaved person to be a moral, upstanding person. Because the bottom line is this, without a fear of God and a reverence of God, your nature tends toward doing what is contrary to God. I've seen a few videos here and there over the last while and scrolling through social media, parents that do this little deal, well, they, they got, I mean, it's just a little kid, big enough to sit and have a little bit of understanding but still really young and they're sitting at the table in their high chair and they set up their phone and they say to that kid, I got to go do something. Don't touch those Cheerios or candy or whatever it is until I come back. It is absolutely amazing to watch that an 18-month-old, 2-year-old, 2.5-year-old that has not been indoctrinated by the world, sits there for a few moments just staring. And then starts looking. And then starts just touching. Touching some more. Then it's picking up and putting back down. You know what basically has happened? The same thing that happened to Eve. Don't touch it. I wonder how many times, I wonder, we don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, at least that I know of, I wonder how many times Eve walked past the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and never even thought twice about the fruit on it. Boy, something was working inside. God said, don't eat it. Well, why did God say don't eat it? Now, God said don't eat it. Maybe a few days later, ooh, man, no, God said don't eat it. And then, I, I, I believe, I, again, this is my personal belief. I, I'm not here making this doctrine. I believe Eve touched that fruit several times before she ate it. Because that's exactly what you and I do. Oh, no. Partly, she, I think she was doing that going, let's see if I'm going to die or not. And eventually she takes it off and eats it. That's our human nature. And, and listen, hopefully I'm going to help somebody. I don't care how long you're a Christian, a disciple, a saint. I don't care. It doesn't matter if from the very time you were old enough to make a decision, you decided you wanted to live your life committed and dedicated to God. You are a human being, and we have a carnal man and a spiritual man, and they are always at war. Always. And the moment you think you've now caused your carnal man to be quiet and die and you're all good is when you are in the biggest trouble. Paul said, I die daily. I got to fight daily because every day there's a part of me that wants to do its own thing. 
And if you think that just because I'm the pastor here, it ain't that way for me, you need to go get checked out. You got some mental challenges, and I'm not trying to be unkind, but it, it doesn't matter who you are. It's not within our human nature to want to fear, obey, reverence, respect God. The fear of the Lord, Barnes Note says this about the fear of the Lord. It is reverence for God. It is respect for His law, His will, His government, Himself. It's the fear of offending Him which will lead us to do right. The fear of a, well that sounds like uh, manipulation or narcissism or whatever. No, it's not. If you're married and you don't live with a fear of offending your spouse, you need to get one. I'm talking about an unhealthy. You understand what, there's a statement, I don't know if I can get it right, but to every, to every strength there is a, a backside weakness. To every weakness, there's a, there's a strength. Your personality, every, everybody in this place, there are parts of your personality that are great strengths, but there's parts of your personality that are also weaknesses. Y'all okay? I don't know if I am. Y'all okay? I, I gotta, I, oh man, I gotta hurry up. We, get, we gotta. <laughs> I, I, I remember, we weren't even married yet. My wife gets on me because of the things, some of the things I do remember. She's like, what in the world? And then things I should remember. She, 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 she brought up some special sentimental moment the other day. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Everything in me wanted to, I'm sorry, forgive me for being a human. I know I'm the pastor. Forgive me for being a human. I, I wanted to lie and say, yeah, I remember but but the problem is I, I I don't know I don't think God knows I don't think I've ever outright lied to my wife but there've been a few times I've been a little bit hedging on and without fail she she is on it I just so y'all's minds aren't running too much one of the main times it happened years ago when I was playing racquetball early mornings several times a week and one morning I got done and I played at 6 usually was done around 7 sometimes we'd keep playing other times I'd head back home and one morning I was just I was really tired so I went out in the parking lot in the car and, and at the at the uh, racquetball club I think I may have even relocated my car a little bit I sat there for about 45 minutes or an hour and took a nap and I got home a little bit later than expected, and I said, where, where have you been? What do you mean where I've been? I've been at the racquetball. I've been playing racquetball. Where, where have you been? I've been, I've been at the racquetball club. Why are you acting so weird? I don't know. I was at the, I was at the racquetball club. Finally, I said, I, I, I took a nap. I knew you weren't telling me something. There's no point in trying to lie. She's, the, she's better than the lie detector test you take. So, no, I'm sorry I don't remember. So this is one of those things I probably shouldn't remember, but I do. I was probably about 18, 17, 18. I had these, back then it was parachute pants that were in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, y'all ain't got nothing new going on. All they see nothing. Several years ago, boy, them, them where you flip over the bottom of your pants and you roll them up. What'd y'all call them? 
what they call them? Timothy and William were doing, I forget, they call them something. I sat down, I did my pants. They were like, what? You know how? Yeah, I know how to do that. Before you were ever even a blip on the radar, we did that and moved on. We called them TC cuffs. I had them parachute pants. I had this, this Oxford shirt that was white with purple stripes, and I wore it with these tan khaki pants, and that was, we were just dating, so that was, you know, she'll, she'll tell me now. She'll just tell me what she thinks, which is good, actually. I wore it, I, mean, I don't know, it was just something about that outfit, man. When I wore it, I just, it was like one of my favorite outfits. And then one day she was like, you know, I don't think that really goes together very well. Not, I'm not talking about manipulation. I'm not. I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to. At the end of the day, believe it or not, I don't want to offend you. Why am I saying all that about being offended? What was that? I was saying that for a reason. No, I don't know. Hold on. So let me keep reading. I'm going to try to quit. I'm going to try to quit. Some of y'all looking at that title going, what in the world? (laughs) This fear is not that of a slave. It is not mere dread. It is not terror. Oh, yeah, it's not the fear of offending him. It's because I love him. I want to do what he wants. I stopped wearing that outfit because I wanted to do what she liked, what she wanted. I didn't learn my lesson before we got married. It's been a few times through the year. I'm still trying to push the limit a little bit. I had this shirt Brother Middleton gave me a long time ago. It was Paisley's black silky shirt. Man, I love that shirt. She was every time I went, you look like you got curtains on. <laughs> every now and then I'd work up enough courage. <laughs> Wear it again. This fear. Good thing I'm, brother, I don't want to Good thing I'm leaving here going to Glen Burnie. <laughs> Give her time to pray. Let the Lord help her all of the. <laughs> I need some water. <laughs> she, can, she can sense when I'm not being fully upright and truthful. And I can sense when I'm not looking at her and she is bearing down on me. She loves me, oh, how she loves me. <laughs> you know what, this is not the way I intend, but, but I, you know, I hope some of you would get this. This subject, subject is not supposed to be some kind of ominous, depressing. I don't I probably even get, I haven't even gotten really to the fear of the Lord, just trying to lay a foundation. But when you start reading through what the Scripture says about the fear of the Lord, what it is, what it does, this is not some kind of horrible thing. This is not, this, this fear is not of a slave. It is not mere dread. It is not terror. It is consistent with love and springs from it. 
It is consistent with calmness of mind and promotes it. It does not produce terror, but rather delivers from it and preserves the mind from alarms. The word here rendered fear is a noun of the same origin as the word rendered reverend in the previous verse. This is referencing in one of the references in Psalms. The suggestion to the mind of the psalmist that the name of the Lord was reverend or was to be venerated, venerated is esteemed or respected, introduced this thought that such reverence is the very foundation of wisdom. Job says this, and I'm, I may try to get, make this the stopping point for this morning. All of that is foundation to get to, and Lord willing, we continue some 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 of the what are what are the what are the what are the attributes? What are the characteristics? What are the benefits of the fear of the Lord or of living with the fear of the Lord? It's interesting to me because in a little bit different ways, but in essence, a very similar thing. Job, David, and Solomon say something very similar. In fact, what Job does is he kind of puts together what David and Solomon say. In Job chapter 28, verse 28, it says, Unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Isn't it amazing the world had twist, has twisted it all up that if you live with a fear of the Lord, you are unwise. And if you choose to live departing from evil, you don't have any understanding of what life is all about. I shouldn't do this again. I feel like I keep making these references this morning. Some of you all going to be like, wow, how much time do you spend on social media? I came across this week, there was a there was a party that was put on by this billionaire. He's the owner of some company that sells sports memorabilia. Sister, Sister Kelly, it was in your backyard, figuratively. <laughs> this party that was put on in the Hamptons. And you talk about, anybody see anything about that? They, you talk about a list of celebrities. I mean, they were there. They were there, man. I mean, some of the most famous people in our world right now were there. Athletes, musicians, actors, act what all oh, they were there at this guy's house. One thing I saw was that the, the day after the guy, the billionaire, the host, on his couch hooked up to an IV, trying to overcome the consequences of the fun that was had the day before. You know what's amazing about living in the fear of the Lord? You don't need an IV the next day. You know what's amazing about living in the fear of the Lord? You don't need Tylenol or Advil the next day. You don't need a therapist the next day. You don't need another fix the next day. When you live in the fear of the Lord with wisdom and understanding, you've got life and life more abundantly. And the enemy wants to twist it all up and says that you and I are fools for doing what we do and living the way we're living. I'll tell you what, if I'm a fool for living the way I live, if I'm a fool for believing what I believe, leave me alone because I'm one happy. Be fool. 
The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It doesn't say this specifically, but I think I could paraphrase in the context of this to say the fool has said there's no reason to live with the fear of the Lord. Job says there is wisdom. Amplified says that verse this way, but no man, he said, behold the reverential but to but excuse me but to man he said behold the reverential and worshipful fear of the lord that is wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding there is no wisdom there is no understanding outside Of the fear of the Lord, which is based on the knowledge of the word of the Lord. Read all the books you want to read. Study all the topics you want to study. But if it's not based on this, you don't have any knowledge. Try to get as smart as you want to get. Try to get wisdom if you want. But wisdom starts with The fear of the Lord. If you don't start with the fear of the Lord, you will never be wise. You will never be wise. Well, I know some people that don't know God. They know that. If you want to argue that, then what you're saying is you don't believe this book. Because wisdom starts. The beginning point of wisdom is the fear. Of the Lord. I don't live in misery. I don't live hating life because I'm trying. I don't do it perfectly. You don't, I don't, but. I'm trying to live my life in the fear of the Lord, the reverence, the respect, the submission to the Word of God, the Spirit of God. I want every single area of my life, I want every single area of my life to be governed by my reverential worship, my respect, my awe of God. I said it last Sunday morning. I'm sorry, but this whole God as your BFF culture that we're in in Christianity today is causing us a lot of problems. I believe with all of my heart in a personal, intimate relationship with God. I, do, I believe every person should have it. Every person has the right, the invitation to a personal relationship with God. But God's just not my buddy that hangs out with me. I love my dad. I love my dad very much. And my dad's been a great... My dad has never in any way that I can think of, no, he has never abused me physically, verbally, any way. 
But I will tell you, I, even at 51, my wife and I were just talking about this. this. This pretty much doesn't happen with anybody else anymore. But I get around my dad, and at 51 years old, not because of him or anything he does, I feel like a kid. In essence, that's, that's really kind of, I think, what the Scripture's talking about. There's a, there's, a, there's a respect, there's a reverence. I, I'm, I'm not my dad. In a lot of ways, I don't consider myself to be my dad's equal. Ministry-wise, if you're a guest today and don't know it, my dad's the founding pastor of this church. He's now the bishop. He's the, he's the ultimate say. And so he, for, but, but, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm an adult. I don't know if you, everybody goes through this. I'm not sure. Some of it, I think, has to do with some of the dynamics of, of growing up in church, growing up around ministry. But one of the biggest challenges I, I face, and I mean one of the biggest, this may sound ridiculous, one of the biggest challenges I've faced in my lifetime and in, in, in my ministry is seeing myself as, a, as an adult. It doesn't happen quite as much anymore. But we have guys that will come here and preach Brother McLeod just came here and preached. He's 35. Brother Ryan Neer, when he started coming here to preach, was, wasn't even 30 yet. These guys get in the car with me, and I'm old enough to be their dad, and I find myself feeling like this kid because all my life I've been used to being. One of my favorite things to do was sit at a table where my dad and preachers were talking and just listen, even as a child. So I, I, Sometimes I have to tell my dude, you're 51. If you ain't a man with something to say by now, you probably don't have much hope. I still, I because that's my dad, and he's I kind of have him on a pedestal. Are you sure? I know I don't mean one of those pedestals. I mean a good pedestal. I know he's human and all, but that's what that's what I want to try to strive to live with every second of my day reverential respect for God because isn't it amazing I got, I, I got to quit I'm going to Glen Burnie too if some of you are going so I'm trying to quit I meant to quit a long time ago I shouldn't have said all that because now I don't know what I was about to say I'm preaching a burden to bear this morning Oh, I know what I was going to say. Isn't it amazing? When the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Let's just do a little classroom interaction here. This isn't normally what we do in these settings. But, 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 but just, just quickly, and you, most of you know, pretty much everybody in this room knows what he, what he said to address him but just without that what would you think what are some of the other things you think would have been what he would have chosen the way to address him anybody how about Lord master our master who are king our king or how about just simply our God how impersonal, I'm sorry, but in a, in a way, how impersonal, our God who is in heaven, how, the one that 
the Old Testament tells us to fear, in the New Testament, when he tells us how to address him in prayer, says, here's how I want you. The one the Old Testament tells us to have fear of says, when you come to me, I want you to address me this way. My Father. I, I, it was my wife's idea. I don't It's a couple of years now. Kids oftentimes after service want to go to my office and get a lollipop or smarties and sometimes I'm trying to talk to people and them little ones are pastor can I get candy just a minute wait a minute my wife has said this you know what part of the part of the deal is usually when you go to the pastor's office you go there because you're in trouble there's a problem I realize Jesus is going to have to not come for a long time for this to ultimately impact these kids. (laughs) But I don't want my office to be a place where it's like, oh my goodness, if I go to the pastor's office, I've done something wrong. There are several people here that never feel that way when they walk into my office. They walk in there, dig through my stuff, get what they need. They know the code to my office because of relationship. That's not their pastor's office, that's their dad's office. So this fear of the Lord is not this mean, harsh God sitting up in heaven on this throne ready to say, it's my father. Why don't you just I don't I don't pretty sure we're not gonna do anything more than this. So just just would you just bow your head, close your eyes right now. I think every single one of us in this place, whether you're brand new, first time today, or you've been here since this church was basically started. I don't think it matters how long you've been around, how long you've had a relationship with God. I think all of us could pray this. And I want to ask you to join me some way that you would make this your prayer right now. Lord, give give me true revelation and understanding what the fear of the Lord is. How to live in the fear of the Lord. How to live with the fear of the Lord. Because that's... That's where life begins. That's where wisdom begins. That's the basis of true knowledge and understanding. Father, I pray right now that you would help us. Lord, your word tells us there's nothing new under the sun. So the things that we, the challenges we face, the obstacles we're dealing with, it's nothing new to mankind. The struggles... The, the, the battles in our minds, all of those things, it's nothing new. But God, I do feel like that for various reasons, there are things in our world that while they're not new, they are amped up. We are bombarded with them in ways like never before. And Lord, I'm sure that throughout all of time, there's always been a mindset that living a life with the fear of the Lord is unreasonable, ridiculous. 
But it seems like in the world we're in today that that has been multiplied. You believe in your word. If we believe in your word, if we try to live according to your word, we're, there's all kinds of things we get labeled. There's all kinds of accusations that come against us. And so I pray today, by your grace, you would help us, Lord. Help us to have hearts and spirits, minds that are open to be impacted by the fear of the Lord, to live in reverence, awe, and respect, because that's where life begins. That's what sustains life. Lord, anything that appears to be life or living that's done outside of a fear of the Lord, is a, it's temporary doesn't last and with most of it when it's over with when the season of pleasure your your word even says lord there's pleasure in sin for a season if i could if i could paraphrase it lord there's there's pleasure for a season living without the fear of the lord but it's a season and when the season ends there's consequences Ultimately, there's eternal consequences, but there's even consequences that we face in this life. So I pray for every individual in this place, those that are watching, those may listen to this in the future, God, that you would stir within us a hunger and a desire to live our lives in the fear of the Lord and be governed by that. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Again, I, I don't know from your perspective or not, from my perspective, this feels a little different than a Sunday morning, but as I've heard my dad say numerous times, I just work here. <laughs> I I know and we will. I'm I'm one of the ones that believed in, believes in an invitation beyond this to pray, but sometimes if we're not careful, we make emotional responses. And it only impacts us for a moment and then we move on. I, I hope and pray that God is doing something in you and in me today that's more than just a momentary response, but that it has a lasting impact on our lives. I forgot to mention this earlier, but remind you, we don't have service this evening here. We will be uh, meeting in small groups in uh, different locations throughout the area. If you're here today and and you're newer or you're new and you don't you're not a part of one of our small groups and you'd like to join together this evening with some believers and fellowship and ministry and sharing together uh, we would be happy to direct you to to uh, some place brother Isaac slipped out of here I'm not sure where he went but uh, talk to me talk to brother Barr sister Lacey can help you you would be greatly benefited and blessed by time together this evening with believers. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Look forward to seeing you in the uh, latter part of this week. In Jesus' name.